Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Sometimes I'll hear people say this on the street or wherever, you know, once in a while I go to McDonald's in the morning a couple days a week or Starbucks and just try to engage people if they come and talk and pray with people or whatever. It never fails. I've always meet somebody. Well, you say to them, are you a Christian? I've always been a Christian. Well, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, I was born a Christian. Really? Okay, we have a problem there. So, in other words, there has to be a time in your life when you ask Jesus Christ to come in and confess of your sins. A long time ago, Americans began to get the idea that America is a Christian nation. Although that was never defined, some people began to equate that with meaning that all Americans are Christians. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that this belief is not biblically accurate. You'll learn that God doesn't save countries, He saves individuals. You'll hear about the Apostle Matthew's conversion experience and what took place there. Pastor Mark will tell you what becoming a Christian means, and he'll talk about what should be happening in your life after that initial event. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 28 as he continues his message. A real convert becomes a real disciple. God had a great plan for Adam and Eve, who were created in his image. Man was created to know and worship and serve and obey and enjoy God. This lifestyle would involve a simple relationship with God. God came and he said to Adam and Eve, I'm going to do life with you. I'm your creator. All you have to do is obey me. That's a picture of discipleship. A person who's in relationship with God that obeys God. In its simplest form, that's being a disciple of God. Now, there was a problem. Adam and Eve decided they knew more than God. You know what that looks like. And so they decided to live independent from God. And God said, well, there's a problem if you disobey. And he closed them off of the Garden of Eden. He said, Pastor Mark, that's a great video, but what does any of that have to do with me? Well, just this one fact. Every one of us are related to Adam and Eve. We have the same sin nature now that strives to live independent from God. It doesn't work. It never will. It never will. And so when we get to the New Testament, 
we see how to do it the way it was originally planned. Not as good because Adam and Eve, that sin nature wasn't turned on yet until they chose to do wrong. But Adam and Eve didn't just happen. God had a great plan for their life. Do you know that God has a great plan for your life? Even if you're not a believer, God has a great plan for your life. And really the first thing I want you to write is simply that. You see, this is something that you and I need to be able to say to people, believers or not. Well, how do I know that? Look at Psalm 139. David wrote this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. That's why we believe that, well, life begins at conception. And that's why we believe abortion is wrong and is a sin. He goes on, this is important for you. All the days ordained for me, David said, were written in the book, your book, the Bible, before one of them came to be. Do you know that every day has already been ordained for you? God has a plan for you from the beginning of your life to the end. And the way we discover how that works is that we become his disciple. The way the plan begins to be unfolded, even though there's a plan, you might have put coming to Christ as salvation off for many years. Well, when you come, there's still a plan. It might certainly won't include what God had for you earlier, but see, life is filled with free choice. So how does that start? Well, I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 9, if you will, go down to verse 9, and we'll see where the plan for Matthew, eventually one of the apostles, begins. He had wasted much of his early life not knowing the plan of God. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my, say it with me, disciple. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, that's a command. What you just read was a command. So Matthew got up and he followed him. What is that? That's obedience. Matthew became a convert, a new believer. Everybody that comes to Christ is a baby Christian. Matthew was a baby Christian. But notice Jesus didn't say in that verse, follow me and be a convert. He said, follow me and be a disciple. It continues, that is the plan for every single one of us. Now, Matthew had a choice. Once Matthew obeys and begins to follow Jesus Christ in that personal relationship, he begins that process that never ends of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember, a disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline a growing, mature Christ follower. So what is God's ultimate plan for you today? Here it is. Write it down. First thing you want to write today. God's plan for every person is to become a growing 
disciple, to move past the new convert stage, to move past the baby stage that every person enters into. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what does that process look like? It's interesting to me that Matthew, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us the process of discipleship. Now you're right there in that same book. In Matthew's book, turn to chapter 28, and you will see this process of discipleship and how Jesus said it was to work. It was the same plan Jesus used for three and a half years, making his new converts that he chose into disciples that we call the initial apostles. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go, say it with me, and make what? Disciples, make disciples of all nations. And then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, we had a baptism. Lots of people baptized. They followed in baptism. Is baptism equal salvation? No. Baptism is a command that we're to obey. It needs to be done after you've made a profession of faith. Not as a child, not as a baby, but after you've determined to follow Jesus. It's a sign that you've done that. But it doesn't stop there. Notice. And teaching them... To obey everything I've commanded you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Bible. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is the Word. And by the way, we're not doing this alone. We have the Spirit of God with us, and surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. How is God with us today? When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if God's goal is for me to become a disciple... What is that process? What does it look like? We gave this to you. This is Jesus' words just put in a simple little formula for us. The Great Commission is to win and to disciple and then sin. The Great Commission never stops with you. It's to be carried on as an ongoing cycle. So what do we mean? You win a person to Jesus Christ. There always has to be a conversion stage. Sometimes I'll hear people say this on the street or wherever, you know, once in a while I go to McDonald's in the morning a couple days a week or Starbucks and just try to engage people if they come and talk and pray with people or whatever. It never fails. I've always meet somebody. Well, you say to them, are you a Christian? Well, I've always been a Christian. Well, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, I was born a Christian. Really? Okay, we have a problem there. So, in other words, there has to be a time in your life when you ask Jesus Christ to come in and confess of your sins. Second, it doesn't stop there. Most of the church stops there. That's our problem. goes on to the disciple stage. The disciple stage is all about teaching the Word of God. Teach them to follow Christ 24-7. Not just Sunday. The rest of the week they do their own thing. No, 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 no. That's not discipleship. And the third thing is, and this is the key part, then you send that person out to reach others. The cycle starts again. This is a way of transforming the whole world. But we learn that there's a problem. All disciples are believers But not all believers are disciples. Now, why is that? This is primary verse. This is key principle to all this process of discipleship. Early on, notice what Jesus says. It is written, man does not live on bread alone. What does he mean by that? Your body, soul, and spirit. The real you is spiritual. You don't feed your body carbs, sourdough bread, 
Ooh, I'd like some right now with fresh butter right on it. You don't live on that. Man does not live on the physical things alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does that mean? It simply means this. Every person was designed to live and grow and thrive in response to the word, the Bible. But here's the problem. We did Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 was the word was sown. But three of the four, there was no response to the word. So if my growing is focused on the word of God, let's stop and let's just look inside for a moment. I don't want you answering. I don't want you responding. If my growth is the word of God, you say, well, Pastor Mark, how do you know the growth is the word of God? Well, what did we just say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So ask yourself this question. You answer it. I can't answer it for you. If this word is the key, you're going to write that in a moment. If this word is the key to my spiritual growth, how many of you would say, how many times have I been in that word in the last seven days? Now, I would say for many of you, none. The only time you're ever in the word is when you're church because somebody hands you a Bible. Some of you may be one. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I have a job. You mean it's supposed to be in it 24-7? No, it's supposed to be in you 24-7. So if that is the key, the word is the key to growth, that's our problem. And you're going to see so many illustrations of that. So this is the key to my growth. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews, and let me show you what Paul says. He talks about the very same principle. Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to see Paul addressing a church. He was going to say basically the same thing to them, just a little different wording. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. So Paul was speaking to a home church. He says this. We have much to say about this, about spiritual things. But it's hard to explain Now, remember, he's saying this to the church, not to unbelievers, to believers. It's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. What does he mean by that? Here's what the original language means. Slow to learn, dullness of hearing, bottom line, very little interest in the Word of God. So the next thing I want you to write, and I want you to understand this And you'll hear me say this much during the teaching. What we do with the Word is really the key to life. See, the Word of God is living. It's active. It's sharp. You see, Pastor Mark, the Word of God is outdated. The Word of God is as up-to-date as the iPhone. In fact, it's way more than that. It's never outdated. The principles never change from Adam and Eve to us, and they never will change. It's powerful. It changes lives. Satan knows that. So Paul is writing to these people. Why does he say they're slow to learn? They had no desire to hear spiritual truth. Their hunger and desire for the word was fading. So we know this. 
Our spiritual growth is directly connected to the Word of God. Your spiritual growth, mine included, is directly connected to the Word of God, how often you're in it, what you're doing in it, and how you apply it. Now, does Satan know that? Oh, yes, he does. And you're going to see how he comes against this as we go through the teaching. Now, look at verse 12. Then he says this to this group of believers. These are not new believers. They're not disciples. They didn't start this way. They used to have a desire for the word, but they stopped growing and they stopped maturing. Notice what he says. You have been believers so long. This isn't a baby Christian. Now that you ought to be, here's a sign. You're going to hear this. This is a sign of a disciple. A disciple is teaching others. A disciple makes disciples. You ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Then he says this again to them. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. These were carnal believers. First Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about them again. They simply stopped growing in their walk with God. They're going to heaven, but they're not productive, and they're not fruitful. Is that you today? The sign of a carnal believer, CB, we're going to use this in a few moments, they're immature, they're unfruitful. God's plan for you is to be very fruitful. Believers who simply are living for self. The Word of God, they have no real desire for that Word of God anymore. Now, look at verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk, basic, how to get saved, why there's water baptism, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, how to do life right. In other words, if you're a carnal believer, without the Word of God, you're going to be unsuccessful in life. There's going to be all kinds of issues and problems with you. Now, let me give you some signs of the difficulty of carnal believers. Remember, they're going to go to heaven, but they're going to go there miserably. Now, here's the first one. Write it down. A carnal believer, number one. They spend their time unwisely. Unprofitable use of time. They spend their time unwisely. Well, you say, Pastor Mark, what do you mean about that? What is Paul saying? By now, you should be teaching others. So I'm going to have to waste my time to go all the way back and teach you those things again. That's a waste of time for who? For the carnal believers and for the teachers that have to do it again. The teachers should be discipling somebody new, but they have to go back and handle the babies again. It's not a good use of their time. Second, as you look through that, These truths, evidently, they didn't even really learn them the first time, but they're going to have to go back. So what is the greatest priority in your life? God, people, and how we use our time. So Satan has these people just going around in circles. It's useless. Number two, big one. Carnal believers don't understand that information doesn't bring transformation. Dio Moody says this, the scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. 
You see, the difference between converts and disciples is that disciples obey what Christ commanded. What we do with the word is key. Converts listen, but that is where the truth ends. Little is applied in their own lives. There is little change. So here's what baby Christians, carnal Christians, believe. Well, Pastor Mark, I read the word. I'm here. I'm in a Bible study during the week. Praise God. Well, what are you doing with the truths you're learning? Well, I don't have to do anything with them because I know them. Knowing the word of God does not change you. Applying the word of God changes you. But see, people think, if I have the information, it's enough. No, it's not enough. So what happens is there's no change. Number three. Now, this is carnal Christians. And by and large, definitely not on our campuses because we have a lot of mature believers that are growing. You guys are fantastic. But we still have a lot of babies. And we still have a lot of carnal people who are just now coming to our church and going, like I'm supposed to be a disciple? I'm a Christian. I don't have time today, but you know that the word Christian in the New Testament is only used three times. And actually, it was a derogatory word. Jesus didn't say, come follow me and be a Christian. He said, come follow me and be my disciple. So here's the problem. These negatives that I'm giving you, our churches are filled with these people. So here's the third one. Write it down. Carnal believers have little spiritual discernment right from wrong. Life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. Satan easily distracts. He easily deceives people. And what do these people's lives look like that are carnal believers? They look like this. A roller coaster of emotions. They're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. When you meet them, you're not sure where you're going to find them. Up or down? It won't take long because the word will come out. So they can't discern between right and wrong. And for sure, this is another whole teaching later, right or wrong isn't really the key. Best from better is really the key. Say, Pastor Mark, what do you mean they can't discern? Those of you that are new mothers and your child gets to the age of one and two, what do you have to do with the cabinets in the home? What do you have to do with them? Tell me. You put what on them? You put locks on them. You lock the doors from the top to keep the kids out of what? Drinking whatever. They're going to be into it. Our kids are gone, so we have a puppy. Is it any different? No, this puppy is dumb as can be. They can't discern right from wrong. So we take little Kimmy for a walk, and she can smell a mushroom four foot deep, and she'll stop mm, down, pulls up a mushroom in her mouth. We say, you dummy, don't you know? They're not good for you. There's no discernment. So what do we have with Christians who are carnal? There's a new wind of doctrine that comes through. Wow. That's all we have time for today on Lessons for Living. This time in our nation's history is unlike anything that we've ever experienced. It can be confusing and stressful, we know you may be feeling alone. We're so glad you joined Pastor Mark today to study God's Word. We pray you found comfort in what you've heard. Maybe today you're hearing about Jesus for the very first time. If so, we want to tell you more. 
please take a few minutes and visit calvaryccm.com. There you'll find a tab simply labeled Jesus. This page will tell you all about the Savior of the world and how you can be forgiven of all your sins right now. You can have a relationship with Jesus today, no matter what your past looks like. We pray today you choose to take this step of faith. If you'd like to talk to someone about this, or if you'd like someone to pray with you, please give us a call. Our phone number is 866-779-3441. Again, that's 866-779-3441. We also want to invite you to join us for our virtual church service this weekend. Join Pastor Mark on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. Or you can search for Calvary Chapel Melbourne on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Mark's messages now, those can be found on our website too. One more time, that's calvaryccm.com. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.